0: Been thinking about this lately. This is what I suppose Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org London.org. I realise not sitting right with me So I'm on my knees for understanding The more the world I see, the more I see Leave her off in it, but I'm no diamond ring i got a lot to learn, so I'm listening Welcome everyone. My name is Robert. I'm one of the three pastors here at Calvary Chapel South London, and we've taken a break from our series in the Book of Acts, and we're doing a, a two-part series, I suspect you could say, which we started last week on church membership, and today's part two, and we're going to have a, 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 an overview of the membership pack that we gave out, and. To give today's message a title, we're going to call it Covenant Community. Covenant Community. Now, last week we looked at five biblical foundations, if you remember, for the importance of church membership. Five biblical foundations for the importance of church membership. Just to recap, we looked at one, church discipline. We looked at two excommunication, three, Christians being required to submit to their leaders, four, shepherds required to care for their flock, and fifth and finally, the metaphor of the body. If you were here last week, hopefully to some degree you remember that. This is a a great outline that I got from John Piper, and um, it's that for which I cannot take credit. Um, in conjunction with that, um, we would like to have a look at, this week, the document that we gave you a few weeks ago. And um, really, is for the purpose of clarification, so that we're all hopefully on the same page, literally, as it were. So, we began to answer the question last week, <clears throat> um, which is the first point on your... Outline document if you have it with you. I'd ask you to to pull it out and turn to page one Which is after the covering statement and the question is is membership biblical is membership biblical From the seemingly endless genealogies of the Old Testament through to baptism and the roll calls in the epistles We see the principle of God openly identifying those who are his spiritual people. Those who are his spiritual people. In the Old Testament, it was simple. If your your name ain't down, then you ain't in. In the New Testament, it's not as explicit. We see in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12, the clear definition of a spiritual people who are set apart from the world. I'm going to just take the bottom off of it, Reynolds. Now, have a look at Ephesians 4, along with me. Starting at verse 17. Now, as we read through this, listen for the distinction. The distinction with regard to God identifying his people as opposed to others. Verse 17, now this I say and testify, Ephesians 4, in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Now, listen out as we go to 1 Corinthians 12... For at least nine mentions of individuals described as members. So we've seen through those verses that we just looked at the distinctive nature of God's people. There's definitely a distinction and a separation, right? Now listen out for at least nine mentions of individuals in God's category described as members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He's obviously talking about the physical body, and then he's comparing that to the body of Christ and having a look at the similarities. Verse 14, for the body, physical body, does not consist of one, one member, but of many members. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, remember we mentioned that last week, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, oops, sorry, forgive me. Verse 21 The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. all rejoice together. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, that all sounds fantastic in theory. That all sounds fantastic theoretically speaking. But practically, this needs further consideration. Surely. There's this one thing saying, oh, well, you're the body of Christ, and we're the body of Christ, in theory. But how about in practice? Hence, at least from my point of view with regards to leadership, hence the need for an identified commitment to a local covenant community. That is distinct with regard to every single one of its members. Just as distinctly as I stand here before you and I have specific parts to my body. I don't have three eyes or four ears or six feet. I have a defined number of members that make up my body. Would it be unrealistic to suggest that we also need that within the body, at least the local body of Christ? Specifically, individually numbered. Well, we also see from the analogy of the body that the global church will gather, evidently, in local groups. The universal church can't gather at the same time in the same place. In view of this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, tells us not to neglect fellowship. Verse 24, Hebrews 10. And let us, that is those who are supposed to be members of the local body, let us consider how to stir up one another, that is those who make up the rest of the community. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some and To some degree, there's nothing new under the sun. Things are still the same today. Some still neglect coming together, even to the point where they make a habit of it, rather than making a habit of coming together. Now, I know that most of us do make a habit of coming together, but you understand my point. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near, all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching, and how many of you know we see that day approaching? And why did they not neglect coming together? Because they're covenanted to one another. They're a covenant community. Dedicated, committed as individual parts, as individual members to the rest of that local body. On this basis, we recognize two things. One, as individuals committed to Christ, we are to be committed to our relationships to one another. We are to be in committed relationship and regular fellowship with a local expression of the church. And we could use other words to describe the church, can't we? Because the word church don't mean what most people think the word church means. Oh, I'm looking for St. Mark's Church. Oh, no problem, mate. You just go down the road, turn left, This on the corner. That might be St. Mark's Church, the building, but that's not the church that the Bible talks about with regard to the body of Christ, because the body of Christ is made up of bricks and different parts, but it's not a building that's made with hands. First Peter two talks about the fact that we are living stones built up together, we make up the, the body of Christ or a temple or a tabernacle within which God resides by his spirit. It's a building that can't be seen visibly by the naked eye, yet it is a building nonetheless. It's a spiritual building. That's the definition for the church. And we can use other words like community. Because we're a group who are collected. The word is ecclesia in the original language. Individuals, Committed in relationship and regular fellowship to a local expression of the church. The body of Christ that we have termed the covenant community. This provides support, accountability and opportunity to serve among a multitude of other benefits. That's the first thing we notice with regard to This verse. The second thing is, and I'd like to go to another two other verses with regard to kind of underpinning the point. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, and 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 reflects on I mentioned the collective, but these two verses now begin to highlight a particular group within the collective, and that's the leaders. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, talks about the requirement for elders or those who are the leaders in that community to be responsible for the rest of the community, the people of God, and to care for them. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, says to the leaders, says Paul to the elders who were at Ephesus, he says to them, pay careful attention, first of all to who. You know, I learned an important lesson when I was on a plane. I think it must have been about 2002. You know, very often you get on an airplane and because you've flown maybe a couple of times, you take it for granted when the stewardess comes out and she pulls out the, the bag and the thing you put over your head, the life jacket. And you've kind of seen it a few times already, so you're kind of putting, on your, putting your earphones in from your iPod or getting ready to select the film that you're going to watch on the plane. You're not really paying attention. But one, one, one flight, I sat there and I thought, mm, let, me, let me just do myself a favor and pay attention because who knows what might happen on the flight because planes do malfunction. So I thought, let me pay attention. As I paid attention, I felt like the Lord really kind of speak to me or let me not say it like that. You know what I mean? I felt like I learned wisdom, as the stewardess began to talk about the fact that, if in an emergency, you need to put on one of these life jackets. Prior to doing so, they say an oxygen mask drops from the from the kind of like the the ceiling, right? The oxygen mask drops from the ceiling. When the oxygen mask drops from the ceiling, they say that it's vital that you do one thing first particularly if you have children. And what is that thing that they tell you to do first? (laughs) Now naturally, you'd be like, you know what, if I'm in an emergency and things are going haywire and the plane's about to crash, I'm gonna be concerned about my my children. I mean, the Bible even tells us that we should consider others before ourselves, right? But in that instance, what is vital is that I not think about the other person it's vital that I think about myself selfishly because if something happens to me, then I can't help my child, right? I'm, I mention that with regard to this verse, and you see it quite consistently throughout Scripture, particularly with regard to elders. And that is to consider yourself first. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, what's your doctrine? But it doesn't say doctrine first. That is teaching, the things that you communicate. He says, what's your life and your doctrine. Because if I don't watch my life. As an elder. If, if we as leaders don't. Are not careful about the way. We conduct our lives. you're not overly concerned with teaching others. How they, need, how they need to conduct their lives. If I'm not concerned about my own life. I could end up like Paul says. Becoming shipwreck. And disqualify myself. It doesn't mean I won't go to heaven. Like some teach. It means that. I've flopped and now I'm not going to be able to finish the race that God had set, the course that he had set for me because I wasn't careful to consider myself. Acts 20 verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves first and to all the flock. And that's that's a warning to leaders. It's a warning to us because I could be caught slip in and be identified as a hypocrite like we saw at the beginning of last week's service those two brothers that were mentioned their lives will never be the same now not with regard to ministry it won't and we have to be careful that we don't disqualify ourselves so as much as we have a lot to say with regard to membership concerning the community there's a lot to be said also to us as leaders and we take it very soberly And we ask you to to keep us in your prayers because we're far from perfect. We know that. And we know that you know that. And we really really ask that you would keep us in your prayers because at the end of the day, someone's got to lead, right? And we're like Moses. Trust me. We never signed up for this like, yeah, I feel like, you know, I've been in the Lord for a good couple of years now. I feel like I'm qualified. Yeah, so let me take on, yeah, this church leadership thing that looks like me. That looks like a t-shirt that. Is my size. We never, that's not how we got in the ministry. We came in fighting, biting, and scratching the floor as God dragged us into the ministry, at least in terms of pastoring. Because as you know, myself, Pastor Patrick, Pastor Ephraim, we've been involved in ministry for probably about 15 years, if not a little longer than that. Children's ministry, youth ministry for years, teaching a home Bible study, music ministry. Pastoring now for six years, as most of you know. It's not an easy job. And like Moses, we say, Lord, you know, surely you can't be asking me to do this. And you know how the story goes on. So the Lord got three of us, one to encourage the other. And we're really blessed by that. And we're hoping that you are too. So take careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Elders are not pastors, back to my point, over the whole body of Christ, but rather over those, as the verse says, that God has given into close fellowship. Membership helps us to define this group. Otherwise, then, I'm a pastor responsible for 7.8 million Christians in London. I don't know. that, that, That would be ridiculous. Responsibility with regard to the local community, a particular, defined, and distinct group. In view of this, we see church membership as a reasonable application and necessary outworking of these principles. Church membership is nothing other than an outward recognition of an inward reality. Okay, I'm now going to jump to point three in your booklet and four, then we're going to come back to point two. Who, the next question is, can become a member? Who can become a member. We asked this membership biblical, now we want to ask the question, who can become a member? Let's talk about eligibility. This congregation, Calvary Chapel, South London, receives into membership anyone who is born again through faith in Jesus Christ and professes him before the world through baptism, who has reached 18 years of age, who has a good reputation as to life and character, and who accepts our statement of faith. Approval will be subject to an interview and completion of the foundation series within six months of taking the first session. That is what makes an individual eligible, at least at this point, because I suspect that over the coming weeks and months and years, we're going to adjust this, right? But basically, that's the criteria for an individual becoming a member. Short point. Let's look at the fourth, which is really the third point. What now is expected of members? What is expected of members? Well, we expect members to participate in fulfilling our vision statement, which is this. Calvary Chapel South London is to be a healthy and vibrant worship community equipped to disciple and effective in outreach to the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you probably noticed in your brochure that there was one part of that missing that we've added because we had to the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now, God is a tri unity. How could we leave out the Holy Spirit when, particularly at this point in the dispensations, He is the one that is effectively working among us, right? So, there's a new addendum. In a general sense, this outlines the aim of CCSL. With then a need, we know, to fill in the details. But we're going to try and take this step by step. What's going on, Jill? step by step right now how are we to fulfill this aim how are we to fulfill this vision well members should seek to become fully devoted disciples of jesus christ members with regards i mean how are we going to fulfill this vision Members should seek to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ as they do. I'm gonna, we're going to suggest eight things. Now, is it unfair to suggest that a Christian ought to become a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ? Is that unreasonable? Okay. Well, let's look at eight things that we would suggest that individual would need to do, which is by no means an exhaustive list, but let's have a, a brief look. The first thing of the eight is, first of all, the individual needs to confess with their mouth that they have received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and that they have eternal life. Basically, the person needs to be a Christian. They need to be saved. Now, there are a series of verses that we've put in your booklet that you can refer to. I'm just going to pick one. And I'm going to look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one one confesses and is saved. That's the first thing. A person needs to be saved. The second is an individual who desires to be a member needs to be someone who communes with God daily through scripture reading, prayer, and fellowship. A series of verses. I've picked out John chapter 15, verse 4 to 6, which says, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you. Neither can we. Unless you abide in me, says the Lord Jesus. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. That's a classic memory verse. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered Thrown into the fire and burned. Really interesting passage, John 15. Not one that we have the time to go into now. Nonetheless, abide, the Lord Jesus says. That means to live, to dwell in him. And if you do that through prayer, through fellowship and the reading of the word, your life will produce fruit. And, like any tree, you won't have to force the fruit or try to create the fruit. It just comes as a natural byproduct of just being a tree, like I said last week, planted. And how many of you know trees don't struggle to bear fruit? You don't hear them groaning and moaning and complaining. They just bear fruit naturally, year on year. Healthy trees, right? And how many of you notice that a tree never eats its own fruit? Because the fruit's for others. That's the promise that Jesus gives if you, if you abide in him. And you know what it's like when you have a season, and I'm saying where well, you're abiding in him, versus a season when you ain't really kind of spending no real quality time with the Lord. You might be coming church, You might be gathering with the believers. But you know personally, you ain't really in that place you're supposed to be with the Lord. And your life is just dry, come like husk, arid. You know what I'm saying? But then you know when you're getting it in with the Lord. And you're spending that devotional time. You don't even have to try. The fruit just comes forth out of your life, out of your mouth. The third thing a member needs to do, they need to celebrate God and hear the preaching of God's word by participating in a weekly worship service. Three verses, Um, I'm going to pick Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I think, which says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Sometimes we need to stir one another. And that can be difficult. That can be challenging. Yet yeah, it can be so productive. And hopefully this is what membership is doing to some of you. I know it stirred us up. We've had some real challenges as we've confronted this. But it's really been productive. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. But encouraging one another. All the more as we already mentioned. As you see the day drawing near. And then also Acts 2 verse 42. I'll just pick that one out as well. It says with regard to the early church. The early community of believers. The early covenant community. It says they devoted themselves. See this. Apart from having committed individuals. You can't talk about devotion. Because if someone ain't committed, you can't extract devotion from them. It's like pulling teeth. And we've suffered it for so long here at South London where week after month after year, we we'll would be like, you know what guys, we really need help in children's ministry. With your children, would you please consider helping? Some have. But others it's just gone in one ear and come out the other. And you don't have to be a parent to work in children's ministry. I wasn't. For years, Sarah, Helen, Judith. These guys were involved apart from having children, but also when they had children. And it's like there has to be an element of devotion. But until we say, all right, you know what? rather than us constantly having to beg and plead, we'd be like, if we can get a contingent who are devoted and willing on that basis to be held accountable, at least we know what we're working with. You know what I mean? And if after implementing membership, we've only got 10 people that sign up as members, we might have to say, you know what? We... we, we, We can't provide childcare for you this week. Now, that would be a terrible thing to have. That would be a tragedy. But then at least we would be familiar with how we can actually conduct ourselves and function on that basis. You know what I mean? But we know that setting those type of standards now, eventually, in a year or two, will bear the type of fruit that's going to be necessary. Says the disciples devoted themselves to a few things the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and it's funny how the ESV translates that aspect fellowship. It doesn't say they devoted themselves to fellowship, it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Interesting. Also to the breaking of bread communion and prayers devotion let's look at the fourth thing as i try to hustle <clears throat> a fourth thing that's vital necessary and important for for individuals with regard to that which we would expect is An individual will continue to grow spiritually by learning God's word and following God's will. A few verses. picked Romans 12, which is wonderful. Starting at verse 1. I appeal to you, says Paul, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See? When we begin to talk about things in this context devotion we just read in Acts 2 he's talking about now giving up your body as a living sacrifice now is it unfair to to extract that type of commitment from a Christian he says it's just it's reasonable it's only reasonable if the Lord has done what he's done for us is it not reasonable that we should consider giving up. He gave his life for us. Ought we not to give up our lives in that sense for him. Living, not dead sacrifices. Living ones. And as, I, as you probably have heard before. The problem with the living sacrifices. When you put it up on the altar. It always wants to try and crawl off. Right? Living sacrifices. Holy. That's set apart. Distinct. sanctified and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God wants us to serve him with our bodies, but also with our minds. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, And Jesus said, with all your mind. God doesn't want you, when you become a Christian, to have what they call a frontal lobotomy. And I mean, he wants your mind to be engaged. I saw a banging message um, by a guy called Tim Keller. And he was speaking to a group of individuals at Google. I can't believe they invited him. And he murdered this half an hour that they gave him. I recommend you have a look at it. Just, just type in Google Tim Keller at Google. Mer- oh my gosh, it was amazing. And I tell you, I had to keep pausing it just to keep track with what he said because he was moving so quickly with kind of verbal vernacular, and there was stuff that I couldn't. Gr- I had to pause the thing and say, wait, right, "Wait a minute, let me just figure out what he said then and what he meant before I move on, because I'm going to get lost. I had to engage my mind." You know and I mean, sometimes as Christians, we fear that because we think, oh man, you know what? I can't take this thing too seriously because if, if, if the scientists really begin to inspect this, it might fall apart so. I just believe what I believe because I believe. No, you don't have to go out like that, trust me. There's much more substance to your faith. Where, where are we? Oh, Lord help me. Romans 12, we just read that, right? So you need to continue to grow Spiritually. By learning God's word and following God's will. You can't follow his will until you know what it is. All right, fifthly, E on the notes. Connect with others in loving relationships. Hmm. Okay. By being part of a small group, a class, or ministry team. Without a show of hands, how many of you can say your life is blessed because you're involved in regular fellowship, apart from a Sunday. You can say, hmm, enough times I don't want to get, I don't want to leave my yard. Particularly when it's cold and it's raining. 7 Fred, just come home from work, just drop my bags and now I've got to pick up my Bible and head back out the door again. And know that I'm not going to come home until late and then lack of sleep and have to get up again in the morning. We all feel like that, but there's, ne- there's never been a time I've been to, fe- never been a time. Categorically, when I felt like that and I've just made myself go anywhere and I've been in fellowship, I ain't been blessed. Even if I end up going and get rebuked, it's a blessing. A lie? See, connecting with others in loving relationships, it, 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 it'll change your life. And I know for some, this whole membership thing is, mm mm, I'm getting cornered. Like a wild animal. That's how you feel. But you know what? It's going to be so beneficial. I can testify to that. And as I said, I'm sure so many others can also. Connecting with others. And there's the verse. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage means to comfort. One another if you don't go fellowship all right what cuz you cuz you don't think you need it fine all right you don't need it all right well what about the person that needs you encourage one another and build the word means to construct as you would an edifice like a building it takes time effort energy money to build up one another It takes sacrifice. It takes the willingness of a living sacrifice to see someone else built up. And these Thessalonians were doing that. It's body ministry. Watch the next one. Consecrate yourself to Christian service with your God-given time, abilities, gifts, and desires. I picked Romans 14 out of that batch. Starting at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members... Here we go with this members business again. And the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them for crying out loud. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes financially in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Gifts that differ. We need all of them. They're all rich and given by the grace of God. Let's allow these gifts to be contributed, please, so that this local fellowship, this local church, this local community, this local covenant community can be enriched. Imagine if we never had Pastor Ephraim giving his gift here. Imagine if we never had Pastor Patrick using his gift here, saying, you know what, it's 5 to 11. This ain't in place, that ain't in place, that needs to get fixed. What? What? Imagine if we never had that gift. Imagine if we never had right now individuals with your children. So that you can be sat here one day at the crazy week, crazy mad schedule. An opportunity just to, I can just sit down and be watered. Just water water me, please. And not have to do anything be blessed. Why? Because someone else is using their gift so you can be benefited. Body ministry. Consecrate yourself to Christian. That, that takes a commitment, it takes a decision on the part of an On the part of an individual. It's a determined decision, isn't it? consecrate oneself in that sense given of the gifts the next one communicate the love of christ by word and deed to others second corinthians chapter five now two aspects listen to the first one as it relates to outsiders verse 19 um, second corinthians five that is In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, therefore, that is those who are outside, be reconciled to God as an ambassador. Look, I'm here to let you know That God has done wonderful things for you. If only you could appreciate it. If only you could understand it. As an ambassador, it's my duty to communicate that message to those that don't know it. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That we, that you who are on the outside of a relationship with Christ... Might be reconciled and become the righteousness of God through Christ and that exchange that He made, the guilty for the, inno, sorry, the innocent for the guilty, that the guilty may be, become innocent. That's the first aspect of that. It's our responsibility as believers, and you may not necessarily be called to be an evangelist, but called to be a witness. But then you might be a witness who God wants to develop into an evangelist. And apart from being in that community where you're developed, apart from being fertilized and watered and enabled to grow in the greenhouse of God's community, how are you going to become that? You won't. So. That's with regard to those on the outside. But to those in as well as outside our spiritual community, really, this speaks to everyone. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, sorry, I've had to squeeze them in, not much room. Sorry, forgive me. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, whatever you do, right, evangelism, wonderful. Being a witness, wonderful. But whatever it is that you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. That means we relate to those on the outside, but we also need to relate to those on the inside with regard to everything we do in word and deed. Let's do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and in service to him. Okay. What is this? The six, A, B, C, D, E, F. G-H. The eighth. Contribute your God-given resources hmm, by generously and faithfully giving financially to God's work at our church and beyond. Now here's a topic that in six or nearly seven years, we have never dealt with. Partially because of our background, we came from an environment where finances were extorted from us and from all that we were familiar with, people were obligated to give. And if not, they were warned about the the curse of God coming on their lives. And because of that, we haven't even mentioned money. I remember when I first went to Calvary Chapel, Westminster. Remember Pastor P? we went to the evening service, Pastor Brian Broderson was there, taught on Luke chapter 2, never forget it as long as I live. Stepped into that church. When the man finished teaching on Luke chapter 2, I felt like I had eaten in a way that I hadn't for years. The man broke down the scriptures like... See, all we were used to were anecdotes and funny stories. And unbiblical teaching, that's all we was familiar with, and here and there, some little dry crumbs of teaching. Can I get a witness? And I sat there, and I was like, "You know them, you know when you go to King Arthur's, you know what I'm saying, like back banquet, the tables long to the point where it goes like beyond infinity. You can't see the end of the table. Turkey, chicken and pig with apple in its mouth. It was like, it was like, we feasted that day. And then at the end of it, I think, I don't know what, it, what happened, but at the end of it, the service finished and it was over. And we were like, oh, that was amazing. Man, just the teaching of the word, never experienced that before. But then we were like, but wait a minute, they never took up the offering. And there's us with our bright self went to meet Pastor Brian, because we'd spoken to him on the phone, and it was the first time. We, no, Patrick, Pastor Patrick and Pastor Ephraim had attended one weekend, because I was on nights, I couldn't. But the following week, we all went back. And we were like, um, please forgive us. We know that, you know, it's our first time here and that but you forgot to take up the offering. <laughs> and you know what he said? he said? He said, you know what, there's a, there's a box in the back. If people want to give, they can just drop their offering in the box. I mean... Knock me down with a feather. We were like, man, yo, we're not used to no offering being, t- we're used to free offerings being taken up. We're used to offering taking half an hour. Longer than the ser- longer than the message. You know what I mean? To come into an environment where you're telling me that well, if, if, if I want to give, I can just go and put it in the box at the back. At that point, you know what I'm saying, and, and increasingly over a process of weeks and months, we knew, you know what, we come home. You know what I mean? Because and over a process of time, the Lord began to undo all the false teaching and the false perspectives and the unbiblical understanding that we had. And it, it, it was a wonderful experience. And so, because of our background to some degree, and we know we flopped, because, you know what, talking about money is just as important as talking about sanctification, justification, glorification. These great and wonderful um, doctrines, the the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and the Virgin, all of these things are important. Money isn't any less important in the sense, in, 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 in the grand scheme of the full counsel of God, is what I'm saying. You know I'm saying, obviously, there are fundamental doctrines that we will fight and die over. There are doctrines we, we ain't gonna. You know what I'm saying we can just sit over a cup of coffee and we can disagree on whether you're pre, mid, or post-trib in terms of your rapture theory. But I'm saying finance is a big issue in the Bible. We've neglected that to the detriment of the church and to our own detriment. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about these things when we get together after this message. Um, but I'm going to pull just one verse without going off on a tangent. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided or purposed in his heart or her heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Oh my gosh. For God loves a cheerful giver. Are you going to give cheerfully if it's obligation? God is going to curse you if you don't give how are you going to give cheerfully in that sense? Come on now. So, it's necessary and vital for the individual who desires to be a member and also one who, as I mentioned, we would expect that they would be conscious about the need for financial contributions to the local community. so a far from exhaustive list of eight things describing what we would expect from church members um, including ourselves now we're going to go back to point two and then we're finished let's go back to point two which will now be our final point answering the question why become a member or why be outwardly identified as a member of this covenant community In this section, we're going to make seven points based on Ephesians chapter 2. Real quick, it's not going to take long. He says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, You are a member of God's very own family. And you belong to God's household with every other Christian. Now, how many of you know family, household? You see it in the verse? How many of you know you can be living in a household and be a legitimate member of that family and not live by the rules? You want to know why church membership is important? Watch. You can be living in a household and be a legitimate part of that family and change your name by depot because you don't want to be identified with that family. You can be living in a house and have no respect for your parents whatsoever. Does that change the fact that you're still a member of that household? No, it doesn't. You can be living in a household and not develop deep and meaningful personal relationship with other family members. Am I lying? But you're still in that household. You're still a member of that family, aren't you? Yeah, you are in theory but you're not in practice. You can be living in a household, part of a family, and not benefit from the resources. How about some people that neglect their children? You see, let oh, me not even say that, I get myself in trouble. But you know that there are individuals whose children are neglected while their parents are fully catered for. They're, st- they're still legitimate members of that family. You've got families where individuals are part of the family, but they don't contribute nothing to the family. They want to take everything, but they don't contribute nothing. I heard someone say one time to them, in response to their mom, I'm not in here. Could you please take out the, the rubbish? Uh, no, I don't I don't do bins. Now, but you're in the house, and you can't make that minimal contribution to the house? But there's still a listen, there's still a legitimate part of that family. You can be in a family, and check it, and, and this is for us as leaders, and not be cared for by a parent or guardian. Because they're irresponsible. See, this all highlights the fact that, yeah, we can say that, boy, we're a church, but are we really a church? Are we really a covenant community? See, these are all the questions that are answered by membership. Uh, so what? You, uh, you, you want to you wanna be in this house and so you, you want me to pay for your mobile phone bill? You want me to work out there and, and be on the grind so that I can put food on the table so you can eat and be benefited? Fair enough? All right, well, hear what now? you you're 18 years old. I'm expecting a contribution from you. Is that, is that unfair? How many parents need to say that a bit more often? Me included. It's completely and absolutely legitimate. And if you're hearing what I'm saying, you know what we're talking about when we talk about membership. Two of the most important words to keep in mind here are family and household. Here we go to the end. Remember, this is the point two on your booklet, right? Why become a member? First of all, a personal sense of belonging. By choosing to become a member, you are making a conscious choice to identify with and become a part of this church family. Two, personal significance. Becoming a member will open up new opportunities for you to serve In significant ministry roles within our church family. Three, C, personal relationships. Already mentioned, by actively identifying with our covenant community, you will enter into new meaningful relationships you would not experience if you stay on the fringe of our church family. I don't know if you can see, that's really small, sorry. Fourth, D, personal development. By committing yourself to becoming a member, you will have a greater focus to use and develop your gifts, abilities, and serving skills and leadership within our church family. Five, personal rewards. Jesus Christ promises to reward us for our service for others. Your loving service within our church family will have eternal significance in your life and the lives of others. You will also experience the joy and reward of being part of what God is doing with and through our entire church family. F, personal accountability. By becoming a member of this church, you are committing yourself to... By becoming a member of this church, you are committing yourself to a personal path of spiritual growth. You can remind me when I forget to. Christian maturity and godly service. You are committing yourself. Is that a dirty word? You are committing yourself to a personal path of spiritual growth. Christian maturity and godly service. Through the relationships you choose to build, you will become more accountable... To others in your spiritual journey. See this is, family, this is family talk. This is people who are committed to one another. Because you know what. You're, it's like what can I do. I hate you. But you're my family. You know them ones. What can I do. <laughs> Sorry that was a bit extreme right. But The last one. Personal voice. Now this is good. Personal voice. Someone once said that attending a church without becoming a member is like being a spiritual foster child. Foster children can participate in a family, but they are never a full participant in the family with all the joys, responsibilities, and rights. Church members are given a clear voice at meetings. Personal voice, I ain't got time. So, with regard to being a covenant community, hopefully we've looked at, and I know we've skimmed them, we've looked at four things. One, is membership biblical? Two, who can become a member? Three, what is expected of members? And four, why become a member? I know it's not in that order in your booklets, but... So, there we have our membership pack outline overviewed. And hopefully, to some degree, we, as a leadership, have given you um, a description of what we would like to see in our covenant community. Amen? So, church membership, as, as outlined in scripture, we would argue, a reasonable application and necessary outworking of these principles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that seemed quick, but I know it wasn't. Yet I pray, Father, that the time that we have left after our break would be really, really rich. Father, I pray that for us as a leadership, Father, you would give us the grace to set pace in a biblical sense that will chart and take us in a direction, Lord. That would see us moving towards the fulfillment of your purpose in our lives individually, but Lord, in our lives corporately, as a local church, as a local covenant community. Lord, help us to respond, Lord, not to an an idea, help us not to respond to some new fad, Lord, help us to respond to your word, and help us, Lord, to do so for for a love for one another, and an unselfish desire to be living sacrifices, ultimately serving you in word and deed as it relates to us as a community. Lord, help us, please. Lord, that is our genuine desire, that we just be what, you, what you've called us to be, Lord. So with regard to these issues over the past two weeks, Lord, I pray that you would... Clarify them and crystallize them, Lord, according to your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray.